This is the Soulfully Casual Podcast hosted by Matty Ice. And now, your host, Matty Ice. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Soulfully Casual Podcast uh, brought to you by Matty Ice Media. As always, I am your host, Matty Ice. And it is a, another Monday, folks. I'm here with you again. Uh, I feel pretty fortunate to be alive. Um, I think it's something that we take for granted. But um, I think it's a good thing to remember every now and again. We kind of go through our routines. We wake up, rinse and repeat every single day because we have lives. We have responsibilities, jobs, kids, whatever it is. Um, we have things we think about. Our minds are always spinning. Our minds are always thinking about you know where we're going next, what we have to do next, and so forth. And I think it's pretty natural, it's pretty human nature to kind of forget that we have many things to be thankful for, and one of them is just waking up every single day. Cleveland and I did one of our first episodes of Cowboy Season after we did the the whole rebrand thing, you know, was kind of talking about that. And I think I said how uh, I don't do it often enough. I don't wake up thinking how lucky I am every single day. I wake up and immediately start thinking about everything that's churning through my mind. Um, as a content creator, you're constantly thinking of ideas. You're constantly thinking about your next idea. And while I am balancing being a parent, having a full-time job, and also being a content creator and host, uh, you know, there, there can be a lot of things that sort of spin through my mind on a daily basis. But um, there is something that has been sort of weighing on me, uh, and it's, it's sort of twofold. Uh, I did an episode recently about gu uh, gun violence, violence in this country, and Cleveland and I sort of talked about this uh, in an episode of Cowboy Season also, so definitely, you know, try to check some of those out if you haven't already, but uh, in my personal life, when we talk about gun reform, when we talk about mass shootings, when we just talk about gun violence in general, uh, I generally don't have a sort of black and white stance on it. I think in today's society, it is uh, very popular to have a black or and white opinion, to feel one way or the other, to be with us or against us. And I've never really felt that that was the case. I think we all feel strongly about certain things. Uh, and, and gun violence is something that I don't feel strongly about in the same way that I think a lot of people feel strongly about it. I do feel strongly about a change. That much is sure. However, I don't think it's necessarily solely a gun problem. And I'm actually going to use two incidences from the past that have a personal connection to me, one of which is related to gun violence, uh, one of which is not. And they both recently had an anniversary last week. So I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the show, but uh, being here in the United States, um, I went to college uh, at Virginia Tech, which is in Blacksburg, Virginia. I was there a resident of Blacksburg for five years. Um, it was some of the most influential time of my life. Uh, everybody you know, talks about high school being the best time, and, and maybe college wasn't necessarily the best time, but when I think back on it, and I think back on everything that I went through, it was definitely an influential time. I definitely learned independence. I learned how to take care of myself. I learned how to fail. I learned how to pick myself up from failure. I learned how to look at the future, think of the big picture, and not just what was in front of me. Leaving home, um, you know, I really needed that. I really needed to leave home to get out of the nest, to get out of the confines of, you know, the small town that I lived in. And I was able to do that at such a large university. I was able to thrive after a while. It's a place that is a very special place for me. It has a special place in my heart for many, many reasons. 
it's a place that I know that I want to take my son one day because it is in an, it has been an indelible mark or made an indelible mark uh, on me as, as who I am. You know, the person that I am today via this podcast, via the other ventures that I do, you know, this Maddie Ice character, this Maddie Ice persona, it isn't just a character or a persona. It's an embodiment of me. It's what I consider the best parts of me, the parts of me that I want to get out to the masses, the creativity, you know, the the nuanced thinking, um, sometimes the comedy. I don't even know, right? I feel like there's so much untapped potential, but the Matty Ice persona is just an embodiment of who I am in my real life. And being a graduate of Virginia Tech is part of that. It's a very big part of that. I graduated in 2006. Um, and for those of you who may, may or may not be familiar, in April 16th of 2007 was probably one of the uh, biggest mass shootings that this country had ever seen. I think at the time it was the largest, but it was the second one of consequence in, ter- in terms of media notoriety, because I think when we, those of us who are old enough and remember Columbine, we remember that very vividly. That was such a uh, different time. Uh, the media coverage was so different. You know, we, we, we didn't have the same uh, technology that we have today. We didn't have the same access. And the, the shootings in Blacksburg were somewhat similar in that regard. Um, we did have a lot of, um, you know, camera footage. People had camera phones then. They were nothing spectacular. Um, you know, the news media was on top of it. We did have news that was covering it. Uh, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, a lot of that stuff. It just was not either present or it wasn't what it is today. But that shooting affected me greatly. Um, one of the things I've heard in my personal life and one of the things that I've heard um, you know, outside of my personal life you know, via the show is that how can I have a opinion that guns aren't the sole problem if I've never truly faced an incident like this, if I've never had something personally touch me? I think we as humans uh, make the mistake of assuming that the person that we are telling them are that they are wrong has never had this uh cannot empathize and while i wasn't at the university at the time i was hell, i was a year behind um i switched majors most people graduate in four years i graduated in five so i was friends with a lot of people who were not graduating that year they were graduating the year after i was sort of playing catch up a little bit because i had changed majors so i took a lot of courses in a very short amount of time to make up the difference um so a lot of the people that i had known after i graduated they were still at the school they did not graduate when i did and the shooting took place in a building that i had had classes in just about every single year that i had been uh, a student there norris hall uh, was an engineering building Uh, i started out as an engineering major for about two and a half years, I tried it. Um, you know, I tried to push through and I just kept failing and falling on my face and I just never could quite get a grasp of it because it really wasn't what I wanted to do. I picked that major for other people. Um, and when I switched majors, you know, I still had classes that were in that building. Uh, the eerie part was at the time of that shooting, the time that that shooting took place in the morning, if it had been a year prior, I would have been there. Um, and so that day, I was working here in D.C. I hadn't quite gotten the job that I have now, uh, but I remember hearing about it. Somebody said, you know, there's been a shooting. And I remember ferociously checking CNN, clicking, 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 clicking. Um, And this is when I talk about the differences today. The number of victims was unknown at the beginning. It started out as just one or two or three. 
And then as I refreshed over the course of the day, it kept growing and growing and growing. And it wasn't until very, very late in the day that we found out how many victims that it were, that, that there were. There's 32 of them, not counting the shooter. Um, that was one of the worst days that I've, I've ever experienced. I felt as if a part of me had been attacked. I felt as if a part of me had been, um, you know, mortally wounded, so to speak. Because the university that I went to, the town that I remember, it was a very bucolic place, a place of peace. I never felt unsafe there. I remember walking home drunk so many times from downtown, um, and you know, to my apartment, miles, walking like three miles, drunk, uh, completely, uh, you know, uninhibited, and never felt unsafe. Never felt like anything was going to happen to me. Uh, and sure, universities are bubbles. There are a lot of ways they are. Um, that you know that way because they are out in the middle of nowhere which Blacksburg was but still never felt like I was in danger um, and the shooting finding out the people uh, and you know who had been killed finding out that I knew some of them that I knew some of the professors or at least knew of them knowing how many people that I knew who were still there who were affected by it it changed me it really did it changed me and that day, I went through so many different emotions. I was dating a girl at the time, and she kind of took the cause for herself because she saw the grief that I was going through. I remember going home early. Um, I just, it was something that affected me in such a way that I was emotionally stunned. I was sad. I was afraid. Um, you know, I was just so hurt by it. And I went home early, and I was just sitting there. I think I sat in my on the floor of my apartment for like a couple hours. And the girl I was dating, um, you know, she came over and I just lost it. I started crying and I think I was hugging a t-shirt. I was hugging my Virginia Tech t-shirt, one of my favorite ones that I'd had since I, I think since my freshman year. And I just an outpouring of emotion and it felt real. I could envision myself being in that hallway. I could envision myself being in that classroom, sitting in those seats. I remembered what they looked like. I remember, you know, that time of year, <clears throat> the kind of day that it could have been and it just it shook me to my core and it took me a few years to really get over it now you know that that anniversary goes by i always think about the school i always think about my time there the victims where would they have been today uh you know what are their families going through because the turmoil afterwards was so crazy um you know the gun violence was at the forefront the school was being sued the parents were going through so much lawyers were everywhere i don't want to say it was a disaster but it was a lot, it was a lot of turmoil. And some friends and I decided that we were still going to have a bachelor party that we had planned to have there. We thought it was the best thing. And I'm glad that I went to it. One, because I think it was a very cathartic experience for us as former students there. Um, and some of them were still there actually. And you know, I was able to get in touch with them, thank God, right? Um, but it also allowed me to go in front of Norris Hall. There was still blood there. They weren't able to get those stains out. The caution tape was still there. The building had been closed down. This was like a month later. Um, those are eerie, eerie thoughts, right? A place that you have been to. It's almost like as if something like this were to happen at Disney World, right? A place that everybody feels like a kid. Everybody feels safe. Everybody feels this sort of happiness about them. And it was all ruined for a while because you couldn't help but unsee those images. I can still see them in my head today. And it deeply affected me. And I knew that there had to be some change, but I also knew that this, the mental health issues of the shooter there, uh, they, they needed to be addressed and they were not 
properly addressed back then. And you fast forward to today and you think guns are part of the problem. Mental health is also part of the problem. But I said I was going to use two examples that sort of brought home this idea that violence is at the core of this, that we in America are obsessed with violence in a way that seems unhealthy through many avenues, whether it's music, video games, etc. Um, on, on April 15th of 2013, uh, I was off randomly that day from, from work because I had to be in that Friday. Normally I'm off on Fridays and uh, I decided that I was going to go to a movie. So I, I went to a movie park and it was the re-release after like uh, 20 years, I think. It was in 3D. I had a great time. I went by myself and all that. And when I go to the movies, I shut my phone off because I'm one of those people who just wants to enjoy the movie. I don't want to ruin somebody else's experience. And when I turned my phone back on, uh, my phone lit up. I had an iPhone back then. So, you know, I was used to the notifications and so forth. And so many text messages. Can you believe the Boston Marathon? Can you believe that? Can you believe what's happening at the marathon? And honestly, this was at the time when I was running marathons. Uh, and I thought people were just trying to tell me that the race was excellent. So uh, I immediately Googled it from my phone. And I saw, to my horror, what had happened. That there was a bombing at the finish line of the Boston Marathon. Um, in previous episodes, I talked about my journey through weight loss, my journey of running, my discovery of running, and how uh, back in 2012, uh, I ran my first marathon. It was the first of seven that I ended up running in that three-year period. And um, I became a lover of running. You know, today I still love it, even though I can't really do it. Uh, I miss it. I miss the competition within myself. I miss the training. I miss the finish line. You know, I miss all of it. Um, it was a feeling that I knew so well, crossing the finish line of a, of a big race. But for any any runner who who knows who is part of the game knows that the Boston Marathon is like the peak. Um, it's what everybody, what a lot of people strive to be a part of. It's competitive. You have to qualify for it. It's extremely difficult to do. Um, you can do it through charities, and a lot of people do it that way, which is great. I wanted to qualify for it, and I would always watch it. I always watched the big-time races, the Boston Marathon, New York Marathon, London, because I just loved it. I loved watching the elites do their thing. Uh, I loved seeing the people at the peak of their uh, professions, peak at the peak of the profession that I was in, uh, dominating, succeeding. It was just amazing. And to see it tarnished like that, to see a bomb set off at the finish line where I had crossed that finish line of races so many times, so many times, elated, excited, family members there waiting for you, uh, especially at the big time races. You know, my parents, both my mom and my dad were able to see me cross the finish line at a marathon. Extremely gratifying experience for both parties. I loved it. I loved having them there. Um, and, you know, it's funny because later that year, I ran the Marine Corps Marathon and she wasn't my wife then. She was my girlfriend, but she got to be there and see me do it. And that meant the world to me. And to think about that, if I had run Boston that year, family members of mine, loved ones, would have been there, would have been at the finish line waiting for me potentially. And they could have died. They could have been hurt. So many people died. So many people were hurt. Um, and again, I felt a very, very, very similar feeling to the Blacksburg shooting. Granted, it was eight years later, but it still hurt. I felt violated. I felt attacked. I felt as if something that I loved, the passion of mine was attacked, um, that loved ones of mine were attacked because it was something that I had grown to love so much, something that I had done so many times, experienced so many times, 
that I knew the atmosphere around it. I knew everything like that. I have family in Boston. I actually had a friend. It's funny, uh, Letitia, if you're listening. You know, I met her through Twitter because she saw a blog that I wrote for uh, a weight loss uh, website about my weight loss journey, about my marathon journey. And she too had run her first marathon, I think the year prior to me running mine. And uh, we kind of connected through Twitter and, you know, eventually exchanged phone numbers. And we're still, you know, friends today. Um, uh, regrettably, I don't talk to her as often as I used to. Uh, I think our lives took different paths. She lives in New York. I live here. And uh, but we always talked about Boston. We always talked about that was something that we wanted to do. And she was there that day. She had friends who were running. She was there to cheer them on because she understood the sacredness of the Boston Marathon. She understood what it meant to the running community and what it meant to, you know, to her. And when I heard the news, I was immediately thinking of her. I still have the direct messages on Twitter that I sent asking if she was okay, making sure she was all right. Uh, You know, everybody was trying to figure out what was going on there. Cell service wasn't uh, very good. People were trying to find out if loved ones were okay and... Yeah, I remember thinking that. I remember being so concerned about for her, for her safety, for her health, and then finally finding out later, you know, and asking her to you know, let me know when you get home because I knew she had to travel back to New York. And it just, we talked about it later and many other times later, and it just felt so surreal that somebody would do something like that. A race, you know, it, it doesn't affect anybody besides the people involved. Yes, they're, they close streets and everything. Uh, but it's a celebration in Boston. It's a celebration of, you know, the deep, steeped history of the Boston Marathon there. And it means a lot. It's on Patriots Day, the whole thing. And somebody violated that. And I felt it to my core, similarly to the Virginia Tech shooting. There was no guns involved there. There were homemade bombs, pressure cooker bombs, um, strategically placed to do the most damage, strategically placed to um, maim, kill. And all for what? Because... Um, you know, we, they don't like West, you know, people don't like uh, Western society, but it was a violent act. It was a violating and violent act uh, and one that did not include guns. So those are two incidences that have deeply affected me that I still think about pretty often. And when mass shootings come up, when these types of incidences come up, I can't help but bring myself back to the Virginia Tech shooting, you know, 14 years ago now. And I wonder why we haven't progressed as a country why we seem to let so many of these things fall by the wayside. Um, we can still you know, keep the Second Amendment sacred, but still also think about the victims that have lost their lives. Young people too, not just old people. Like a lot of people said that about COVID, well, it was mostly old people. Well, a life is a life in my opinion, but you know, these are young people, people who had their futures in front of them, right? In a lot of cases. And the US government has done nothing but um, continue to let them die, continue to let them fall by the wayside. We don't seem to want to get to the core of the issue. We don't want to seem to, um, you know, let people have the, what they want with checks in place. Um, the internet is full of resources for people to make bombs, to buy guns, to do a whole lot of things, to act violently against one another. And we as a society seem to perpetuate that. And again, whether it's through music, whether it's through video games, etc., um, you know, it it exists there. But to me, I feel like it's on, um, you know, a lot of parents to to do their part as well. I know that when my son starts to get older and he starts to recognize that I box, that I play video games, things like that, and he starts playing them himself, 
um, it's going to be imperative that I explain to him how the violence that he sees here is finite in real life. On Friday's episode, Mike and I talked about uh, episode four of Falcon and the Winter Soldier and about how there are consequences to your actions. There are consequences to violence. And you saw it in that episode, character died. And it was almost as if the superheroes or the super villains, if you will, couldn't comprehend that. They didn't think that their actions would have consequences. Well, they do. And I think we as a society need to do better. We need to make sure that we're explaining these things. We need to make sure that we do our part to keep people safe, to keep people educated. And the government needs to do more. The government needs to do more to help out their fellow you know, human being in this country. Make guns less accessible. They can still be accessible. Background checks, mental health, things like this. And I feel like we still aren't quite grasping mental health as a society. So many people, celebrities, have come out talking about their struggles with mental health. And when I scroll through the Twitter comments, so many of them are so, so hateful, so, so misguided. We talk about weakness, talk about how they're not as you know good of a person, good of a human being. And clearly we still haven't gotten to a place of understanding that mental health is real. Mental health really, um, you know, it, it's a struggle that a lot of people go through. And a lot of people, it manifests itself in a different way than others. Thankfully for me, my mental health struggles manifest itself into, you know, singular depression where I can handle it by talking to a therapist. I can handle it by talking to my wife, friends, family, but not everybody has it that easy. Uh, for some people, they can't differentiate how well they have it, how well things are, what's real, what's not. And they act violently to become irrational. And we need to stop that too. We need to help those people. We need to make it less easy for them to be violent, whether it's guns, whether it's uh, pressure cooker bombs, you know, anything. We need to make the world less violent. We need to make this country less violent. So if you feel as if I don't have an opinion that's worthy of your time because I don't have some personal experience, I just gave you some personal experience. And while I wasn't directly involved in those incidences, um, I felt the repercussions of it, the consequences of it. And I fully understand them. And it has helped form my opinion to this day. And I want to see the world be in a better place. Less violence, more peace, and just better living for the rest of us so um thanks for tuning in this week uh you know sometimes life isn't easy sometimes the tough truths are in front of us and it's not something that we are really willing to hear but they're out there and we need to be cognizant of them so i hope you have a great week um i will talk to you on wednesday i'm also looking forward to my chat with mike this week i have yet to watch the episode but i'm looking forward to doing so uh connect with me let me know whether I'm full of shit or whether you can understand why my opinion has been formed the way that it has. Uh, soulfully.casual at gmail.com and also the Instagram account, Soulfully Casual Podcast. Uh, and also check out www.mattyicemedia.com for this podcast and other podcasts and YouTube channels that we sponsor. Uh, have a great day, everyone, and I'll see you down the road.